Are you ready for the end of the world? This is Your Community Spirits, the show about caring, sharing, and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. Circle of family, circle of friends, the circle of being. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. This is your community spirit coming at you live and local on your community radio. My name is Treesong, and I believe we have a special caller with us today. Good day, this is Orr. Yes, welcome Orr. I should have said half local, you know, we're, my half here is in the studio, but you're off across the ocean waves again. Hey, just because I moved away after so many years, I don't think I can escape that quickly. <laughs> it's the gravity well of Southern Illinois. But yeah, actually, speaking of Southern Illinois, a lot of our news from today uh, came from Southern Illinois. Uh, I know you've been off uh, off elsewhere, but I don't know if you've been following the news. A lot's been happening down here in the past week or two. Yeah. Well, I listen to DBX pretty regularly, so. Oh yeah. So there you go. You might <laughs> you might know more than I do if I haven't caught a uh, show on DBX. You know. But we've got a couple articles here. Let's start with this one. Die-in for divestment at SIU Carbondale. A group of students and Carbondale residents staged a die-in for divestment on the steps of the Coal Research Center on the SIU Carbondale campus early in the morning on April 16th. Protesters held a banner that read, Fossil fuels are killing our future, and laid their bodies down on the steps of the building, blocking the entrance. The aim was to draw attention to SIU's institutional support for the coal industry, which is accelerating climate change, polluting the water and the air and the soil, and destroying the lives of communities both in southern Illinois and the globe. The action was in solidarity with the ongoing sit-in at Washington University, which on, on that writing was on its eighth day, and I think it's its ninth or tenth day, in almost two weeks. Yeah, so... Over at Wash U in St. Louis, students are demanding that the university cut ties with Peabody Energy, St. Louis-based energy company that we've talked about a lot on the air here. Biggest coal in the world. St. Louis-based is also the largest coal company in the world. Yeah. And that's part of why Wash U, why they feel important to do something about it is because, you know, that Peabody has effects all over the world and it's, it's the hugest, the biggest coal company in the world. And it happens to be located in St. Louis as its primary base. So people nearby, well, we feel kind of obligated to point out what's going on in our backyard. <laughs> Especially because one of Peabody's projects right now is over at Rocky Branch. And people who live around Rocky Branch are asking for support in keeping Peabody out. Uh, now, unfortunately, that's a difficult struggle over there. But they're getting, that was part of the motivation for the die-in. It's also part of the motivation for... The next story, too. They also had a march over at SIU for Rocky Branch. Now, I wasn't able to find any news stories for this yet because it just happened yesterday, so there might be some coming out this morning. But uh, there was a march over at SIU for Rocky Branch. It was Rocky Branch residents themselves were joining SIU students on Thursday at the university's board of trustees meeting to demand that SIU divest from Peabody Energy. And that goes along well with the divestment campaign they've got over there, because SIU students are working on getting SIU to divest from fossil fuels in general because of the climate change impacts and the social impacts. But it, it connects really well with this local issue of Peabody 
and their effects on Rocky Branch. So basically there are a lot of reasons to divest from Peabody Coal at this point. Well, it's really interesting to me what's happening, you know, in southern Illinois now where they're trying to, well, they are working really hard to open up this new coal mine. Um, well, they're opening it up. Technically, they tried to open it up before they were allowed to open it up. Yeah. And... Um, it's pretty interesting to me that how the community has come out and said no, because, I mean, coal is a big deal in southern Illinois. It, for a long time, has been the only income for people. Um, Celine Board approves Peabody Road proposal. This is in Harrisburg once once again taking up a Peabody mining road proposal before a large crowd of coal miners wanting to keep their jobs and residents wanting to protect their homes. Celine County board members put an end to the month long debate Tuesday by agreeing to allow the road work. Unlike last month's marathon of a regular board meeting with nearly two hours of public comment and no action, Tuesday's special meeting ended with the board's 9-to-1 decision in favor of Peabody. No public comment was allowed Tuesday, angering several people wanting to speak out against the road and the proposed mine. I really think we got the shaft, said Cottage Town's ship trustee, Judy Kellen, one of the several residents who say their own health and land will be damaged by the proposed mine. She and others raised objections under the Opens Meeting Act to allow public comment. Um, I mean, a big part of the reason why they want to do this road is they're running such big trucks through and it's tearing up a lot of roads, right? Yeah. Um, and Peabody sought the road agreement to relocate Rocky Branch Road further west than to use the existing road for its operations. The company is seeking to extend its Cottage Grove mine and the 200 jobs it employs. Um, yeah, now, Peabody is expecting to pay for the road work, according to the agreement, and will pay the county $75,000 in addition to a $135,000 donation. <laughs> So they're given a hundred and thirty five dollar donation plus they're paying the county seventy five thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> um so they're basically dropping on a bunch of money. Legally a bribe or not? Probably not legally. Not legally. I mean we've got bribery laws in this country that make it it make it really hard to get caught bri getting bribed. I mean Paul could probably explain more about how such laws work, but it seems like you're allowed to make donations just fine, like, oh, Here's a $135,000 donation. By the way, here's this road that I would like my company to have that is currently a public road. <laughs> Unrelated, you know, we're just very generous. We happen to feel very concerned about the residents of Saline County, so we're going to give them $135,000. <laughs> By the now, way... Part, part of the agreement is the agreement seeks to protect the county and its representatives from legislation. So in the agreement, it says that 
you know, the county and its representatives are not responsible, and so they're like even more excited about it, right? <laughs> yeah, it, they get no responsibility. Like, okay, here's an agreement. We allow the company to do things, but we're not responsible for them, even though we're public officials. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can just imagine um, the looks on their faces. They're like, all right, let me get this straight. So you're going to give me $135,000, and you're going to take this road that I'm not personally really using anyway, and you're going to protect me from any lawsuits. <laughs> that's what that's now, what I get. The, the thing is, is there's only about a dozen homes located near the 1,000 acres Peabody wants to mine just east of Harrisburg. So it's just a dozen homes. Who cares about a dozen homes? <laughs> yeah. Now, these new operations come within 300 feet of some of these homes. Yeah, I mean, it reminds me of terms like collateral damage or acceptable losses. You know, they're just like, well, you know, we really want to build this mine, so if a few dozen homes get destroyed, oh, oh well, that's no, no skin off our back, you know, <laughs> no big deal. And, and the thing about the road, I just remember this from our, our past news articles. Don't you remember where they were running trucks on roads that they weren't allowed to run? Yeah. Well, it's probably... The roads couldn't handle it, so legally they have to build this road. Yeah. To operate. So it's not like they're being nice and saying, okay, let's we'll build this road as a gift to you. They have to build the road. Yeah, they have to. And that's part of why they went through this whole hoopla with the getting access to the road is, you know, if they were doing operations that were safe for the road, they they would just do it. They wouldn't have to get a special permit, special use of the road. They would just drive through, you know, you often see trucks of various sorts driving around if if they're at capacity for the road. So they needed to do this because it's it's disrupting the lives of the people in the area. And so they needed to ask permission and they got the permission. By donating hundred and thirty five thousand is already disrupting people's lives and they still don't actually have them. They're still waiting on two of three state permits. So they've got one state permit, but they're still waiting on two more. Yeah. And they're already, you know, putting up signs that there's going to be blasting and they're already running a bunch of trucks in there, even though they don't have permission to move over. Yeah. Not really very, right. not very neighborly behavior on the part of Peabody. Neighborly? They're the world's largest coal company. <laughs> yeah. I guess the world's largest coal company is not a good neighbor. <laughs> All right, well, getting back to the global perspective here for a minute. UN Climate Reports. The IPCC has put out their latest uh, segment of their report for this year. And this one says, we must focus on decarbonization, and it won't wreck the economy. What's decarbonization? Uh, that's a good question. The article will talk about it a little bit. Uh, removing carbon from our carbon-based fuel sources is basically what they're getting at here. And I mean, so far, climate change is following the plot of an epic disaster movie. In the last few years, there have been mega fires burning out of control, super storms, fields have been wilting, barely any light ice left. Uh, I just watched a documentary called Chasing Ice. That was about the melting of the ice. Hey, do you got some music you could say all that again? <laughs> In the past few years, giant mega fires have burned out of control. <laughs> yeah. We've been hit super storms. We need that big music. <laughs> We need to get um, one of those movie narrators to read that line. Yeah. 
in a world where giant mega fires have burned out of control. So now we're getting to the part of the movie, though, where the world's best scientists emerge from their conclave to announce a range of possible plans that could save us from going over the climate cliff. Now, on, on Sunday, they made their announcements calling for a fundamental decarbonization. That's a quote of the words they used of the world economy. And that basically entails, like, you know, so much of our energy comes from fossil fuels at this point, and many of our other products as well. So in order to avoid all of the CO2 going in the air, we need a fundamental decarbonization of the world economy. Now, that sounds daunting, but the overwhelming message from scientists to the world was one of hope. Unlike so many previous climate change reports, this time there's significant good news. The world doesn't need to sacrifice economic growth to get the job done. The task can be largely achieved with existing technology, and we'll end up with a better planet at the end, too. Now, I'm not sure if I entirely believe it can be done without sacrificing economic growth, but there are plenty of technologies out there, like you know, various forms of clean energy, that all we have to do is make the decision and switch to it. You know, it's, it's a political issue rather than a technological one. Well, think about it, though. If we have to switch from gasoline to another form of propulsion for vehicles, that's a whole new economy. Yeah. That would create a whole new economy of new jobs and new infrastructure and new everything. Yeah. That stimulates the economy. Yeah. I mean, the simple fact that we in the U.S. subsidize, you know, fuel so heavily, the rest of the world, the price of gasoline is twice what it is in the U.S. because they don't subsidize it. Yeah. And therefore, they have a completely different economy of vehicles and modes of transportation, etc. Yeah, I mean, imagine the boost in manufacturing, for example. If we uh, decided that in the next 10 or 20 years, all vehicles should be either personal electric vehicles or public transportation. There'd be a lot of, you know, a lot of people in the U.S. could be employed creating electric cars, creating high-speed rail. That'd be a lot of green jobs right there. So there, you know, there are some things that will be lost, but there are things that will be gained. And if we take no action, the things that will be lost will be our livelihoods and our lives. So may as well take action and focus on positive action that we can take. The U.S. climate report was censored. Keep walking past the earthy conflagration, folks. Did I say that right? Yeah, conflagration. conflagration. <laughs> it's like, that's kind of a small word for a big catastrophe, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to see here, folks. When the latest installation of the U.N. International Government Policy on Climate Change, the IPCC, report landed over the last weekend, only a 33-page summary was published. The full report, which details the radical steps we need to take to reduce greenhouse gas pollution if we are to succeed in capping warming at 2 degrees Celsius, wasn't published until this morning. So that summary was the basis for hundreds of media reports beamed and printed all over the world. And it turns out, the summary was watered down, diluted from an acid reflux-inducing stew of unplayable science into more appetizing consomme of half-truth. The Sydney Morning Herald has the details. 
major climate report presented to the world was censored by the very governments who requested it. Frustrating and angering some of its lead authors, entire paragraphs plus graphs showing where carbon emissions have been increasing the fastest were deleted from the summary during a week's debate prior to its release. Other sections had their meaning and purpose significantly diluted. It's pretty interesting. Because, um, I mean, the, this report was the most positive report to come out on climate change in ages because it said, this is the problem, this is the solution. Yeah. In the past, it just said, we have major problems. But this one laid it out clearly where the worst problems were and how to work on those. Yeah. You know, so it was like the most optimistic and clear report out there, but that's not what the summary. Yeah, well, maybe some of the countries didn't want people to know what the solutions were. <laughs> I mean, that's there's that problem. Well, it's got to be frustrating. I mean, one report author joked that he felt like a pawn who had been sacrificed in a game. Several others told uh, told reporters that the rancor was much greater than in previous IPC meetings. You know, they were debating about the details because of this. But, I mean, there is a precedence for this. They have in past installments of their reports, uh, you know, the, the scientists put it together and then they give it to the governments and the governments do, you know, a little bit of creative writing at the end there. <laughs> so that's part of why I find it ironic when you hear on, you know, other media networks saying things like, oh, those crazy radicals at the IPCC. I mean, all the world governments end up reviewing it and editing it anyway, so it, it's not the most extreme statement that gets out there. It's it's Excuse like the me, can scientists be radicals? Well, I don't I don't consider it radical to actually look at data and see what's happening. Apparently, understand. Well, I scientists, you know, create reports and information based on well facts. It's the po politics, political leanings of governments and stuff that take those facts and them to their own agenda, right? Yeah. So. All right, well, we've got time for one more story before we get into some of the happenings here. Let's go with this one. This guy is taking the world's longest road trip in an electric car. We were just talking about electric cars. Have you ever driven cross-country? What about twice and down both coasts? <laughs> that sounds like quite an adventure. That's what Norman Hajar is doing in a Tesla Model S, covering almost 12,000 miles in an electric vehicle just to prove that it can be done. You'd think it'd be a pain with, with charging it all the time, but he told reporters that the infrastructure is there. Quote, The reality is that it's not difficult at all other than the whole ordeal of driving, which is the same as with any gasoline vehicle. The key to this is fast charging infrastructure. The varying availability of permits, land, and electricity means that charging stations are often located conveniently for the automaker rather than for the driver. But Tesla is one company that Hajar thinks is doing it right. Quote, I think Tesla has an enlightened approach to it. They see correctly that the infrastructure is part of the vehicle. It's every bit as much a part of the vehicle as the nuts and bolts and the steering wheel. So it's, it's called the Epic Electric American Road Trip. <laughs> And the epic electric American road trip is taking Hajar 
the research director for Ricargo, which makes an app to locate charging stations. It's taking him from the Pacific Northwest to Maine, then down to Florida, then across the country again to L.A. That's pretty exciting. All that in an electric car, all of it's, you know, stopping at charging stations. And that's quite an all-American road trip. <laughs> now, if you would like to do this also, there's this organization called the Illinois Solar Energy Association that's doing a raffle to win a Tesla Model S. Ooh. They're, they're, it's $100 a ticket, and they're only selling to, up to 2,000 tickets. And it won't be until October 4th, but, you know, they're only going to sell up to the max amount of tickets. If you go to IllinoisSolar.org slash Tesla2014, that's Tesla2014, you can enter and help a nonprofit raise money to do more stuff about solar, and there you go, a chance to win a Tesla S. Yeah, that sounds like so, a win-win for everybody. Yep, and those cars are beautiful. Hmm. I don't know if you've ever... I haven't seen them in person yet. I've seen a lot online, but... Yeah, they look good. Like... <laughs> All right, well, let's let's get into some of our holidays. Today is International Jugglers Day. It also applies to multitasking office workers. Now, that I do sometimes, multitasking. Juggling, I've tried. It's It's kind of hard. I'm always amazed when people are really good at it. It's also Newspaper Columnist Day. So... There's still some newspaper columnists out there who cover important issues occasionally. <laughs> Track down the ones you do and read one today. Saturday is National Garlic Day. Hmm. Right. And Sunday is Easter, Lookalike Day, and Volunteer Recognition Day. Hmm. Now, I think uh, a lot of places in the, around are doing, um, what do you call it, uh, cleanups this weekend. So if you want to do a cleanup in honor of Earth Day, which is coming up, um, do it over the weekend and, well, be recognized as a volunteer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm noticing here our calendar didn't mention Earth Day. I mean, we know Earth Day, so we can mention it. But yeah, look at that. You're right. It's not on here. Yeah. Maybe they just assume everybody knows Earth Day at this point. <laughs> Well, Monday is Kindergarten Day, day to celebrate all the kindergartners and what future generations have to bring. And Tuesday is Girl Scout Leader Day, National Jelly Bean Day, and Earth Day. Wednesday is Lover's Day, Nationally Zucchini Bread Day. Um... They hold this at a time of the year when there really isn't much zucchini, so you're not sick of zucchini. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wednesday is also Take a Chance Day and World Laboratory Day. I wouldn't say Take a Chance in a Laboratory Day. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Better to be careful in laboratories. Obey the, the security procedures and not burn yourself or anything. All right, and uh, Thursday is Take Your Daughter to Work Day. So, celebrating, uh, bringing daughters to the workplace and educating them about being empowered about work. Some happenings, um, 
For kids' sake, Art Auction, we've mentioned this before, it's a really great event. Um, now through Friday, April 25th, is your chance to bid on auction, on art. It's art for kids, and the money goes to kids. Mm-hmm. You know, um, two kids in um, an orphanage in Bangladesh, so it's a great chance to get art and give to kids. Yeah, get to support the arts, supports local children, and support the orphans in Bangladesh. Pretty good deal. All right, we also have coming up the Carbondale Community Farmers Market. It's happening on Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon at Carbondale Community High School. It's a great program over there. They have, they have local foods, arts and crafts, all sorts of good stuff over there. And that's 9 a.m. to noon on Saturday over at Carbondale Community High School. Also on Saturday, the weekly vigil for peace and justice. Saturdays from noon until 1 at the Town Square. That's the corner of Illinois and Maine, downtown. Every Saturday from noon until 1, started up and staying out since December 2001. Sponsored by the Peace Coalition of Southern Illinois and the Fellowship of Reconciliation. All right, coming up, we also have the Vagina Monologues. They're coming up on Saturday at 7 p.m. at Curbside Bar and Grill. Two two seven. Wait a second, that sounds kind of weird. <laughs> oh, what the vagina monologues? At a bar? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's they've got a per- performance venue there. They've got a little stage and all. So, um, yep. I've never. Well, I mean, all the proceeds do go to benefit the women's center. So, um, yeah. What do you call it? There is free admission to students with the student ID, but of course, donations are appreciated because all the proceeds go to benefit the women's center. Oh. I skipped over what the vagina monologues are. Yeah, we kind of assume sometimes. I already know what they are, but in case you, our listener, do not know. <laughs> it's a play made up of several monologues performed by several women. Each of these monologues deals with a different aspect of the female experience. A recurring theme throughout it all is the vagina as a tool of female empowerment and the ultimate embodiment of individuality. So it's really powerful. It gets. I really like how it gets really personal, and yet it also addresses issues that affect all women. It's really a powerful performance. So, yeah, that's once again, that's on Saturday, 7 p.m., over at Curbside. This is interesting. So this whole night is at Curbside. Right after that, Squada is playing. So that the Vagina Monologues was at 7 p.m. Yeah. And at 9 p.m. to 1 a.m., also at Curbside, is Squada um, at the Southern Illinois West African Drum Ensemble is going to be there for exciting night of West African drum song and dance with a bunch of special guests. I'm not even going to, tr- unless you know how to pronounce their names. Or <laughs> yeah, I don't uh, quite know how to pronounce all their from names. Different places in Africa, Senegal, Ghana, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it'll be a good they time. Wanna, they want to pack the house. So as far as cost goes, they decided to theme it as a five, ten dollar fill in the blank in order to get people in because they want to pack the house. Yeah. Yeah, because they've got these special guests, the drummers and dancers visiting, and it's going to be, it sounds like a really good night over at Curbside, you know, get to take in some entertainment of various sorts over there. 
So yeah, so that starts at nine on Saturday at curbside and it goes from nine to one. So show up there and check that out. And here's a really big one that uh, relates to a lot of what we've been talking about. We haven't really mentioned fracking much today, but this is Josh Fox, uh, the director is coming to SIU. And oh, I've got <laughs> I've got the day of the week wrong here. It's on Monday, April twenty first, from uh, at seven p.m. Is Josh Fox? He is the director of the highly acclaimed Gasland, speaking at SIU at the Student Center ballrooms. And I imagine they're going to open up all the ballrooms because he's such a famous speaker. They're going to have a lot of attendees. And as you may know, Gasland was the winner of several major film festival awards and a finalist for the Academy Award for Best Documentary. It brought the issue of hydraulic fracturing into the national spotlight. It documents the potential ecological and health hazards associated with the largest domestic natural gas drilling boom in history and the controversial technique known as fracking. And I've seen Gasland. I've seen Gasland, too. If you haven't already, I recommend checking that out. Really powerful explorations of the harm caused by fracking. And when Josh Fox is in town on Monday, he'll be discussing the fracking issue and describing his experiences since the release of his original groundbreaking expose. So. For Earth Day, Tuesday, April 22nd at 5 p.m. at the Life Community Center, the All Species Parade. Now imagine it's spring. We have to imagine it's not really spring. It feels like spring. spring. <laughs> well, it snowed this week in, in Chicago and Oklahoma. I mean, imagine it's spring. Earth Day, April 22nd, 2014, and you will encounter a parade of handmade puppets representing a diversity of species, all kinds and sizes, as they leap, dance, swim, and flip lightly about. The All Species Puppet Parade is a celebration of all species. Imagine that. Plants, amphibians, mammals, birds, fish, and even imagined hybrid or two. Shouldn't you be part of the celebration, the springtime awakening? You still have time to make a puppet. What will you be? How will you move? What species puppet do you want to learn from as part of the process of making and becoming? Join in the parade either as a participant or as an observer, meet at 4.30 at the Community Life Community, the Community Life Center with the parade kickoff at 5. They will proceed to Turley Park and celebrate Earth Day with music and dance and poetry organized by the Carbonell Park District. There you go. Yeah, it's a great way to spend Earth Day. <laughs> All right, well, this has once again been an exciting and informative episode of Your Community Spirit. Did we just have an episode? <laughs> yeah, we had an episode. <laughs> happy Earth Day, everybody. Yes, happy Earth Day, and enjoy the wonderful weather. We will see you here next week on the radio.